This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c the never-ending checklist can feel like things that are tasky, right? I gotta buy my kids' clothes, I gotta meal prep, I gotta make sure that I signed up for this preschool tuition and all that. It's nothing exciting, it's all just checklist, right? I want you to, at the end of every day, put something on paper of the things that you did do that was incredible. Normally, I get really frustrated in this situation, and today, I actually was, you know, held my ground and was very cool. Or, you know, today, we had this laughter-filled moment with my children. So I want us to look at our day, not as the checklist of all the mundane things that absolutely happen and is a reality in motherhood, but I want us to look back and reflect on the day of the things that made us filled our cup with joy, right? The the laughter, the, the, the wins that we had, like you said, and write it down so that when you go through your week, you can refer back to it and be like, look at me, look at what we're doing as a family here. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week, sometimes twice a week because of our double episodes and for all of your reviews and ratings and the way you share this show on your social media. This is how the podcast continues to grow to be a top 50 parenting podcast in the United States. If you are a parent and have a question for me that you want to discuss on the show, make sure you sign up for our email list in our show notes where we send out the form to invite parents every week to chat. Remember that starting mid-May of 2023, I will be going back to only having episodes on Wednesdays and mixing it up between solo episodes, episodes with professionals, and episodes with parents. So make sure you submit your questions and I can't wait for the rest of the year of the Pete's Doc Talk podcast. On this episode, I welcome Nicole, a mom from the Peds Doc Talk community, to chat about when we feel that motherhood is a never-ending checklist. We discuss how to get our minds out of checklist mode, the importance of communication with our team, partner, support system, and asking for help, and ways to free up time when time seems scarce. Now let's get into the conversation. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. So tell me, what is on your mind today as a mom? Hi, Dr. Mono. Thank you for having me. I am just struggling with this never-ending checklist of motherhood. I honestly feel like my brain is like my phone Safari tab. that has like 50 tabs <laughs> open. Like I just feel like I can't get anything done ever. And it's just like a constant feeling of mom guilt because nothing is getting done Ugh. the way it should, I feel. Nicole, I laughed not to be mean about it, but because I relate to it so much, the Safari tabs, like it feels never ending. And it just feels like, when can I just shut down all these tabs and truly 
be in mental peace. I mean, that's, I think my goal as a mom is to have more mental peace. So that's what I'm trying to help a lot of moms get to as well. Amidst all the things that we have to do, which I understand. And you have a few children, right? You have three children. I do. I have three under three and a half. So my oldest is four and a half. And then I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So it's full, a lot of chaos. Yes. Beautiful chaos. Beautiful Beautiful chaos. I love the way you say that. And I think it's very normal to say that any person's motherhood, parenthood journey is obviously filled with ups and downs and chaos. But I understand and respect the fact that as you add more children to the picture, there's less time for you. There's more things to be responsible for. So I think anyone listening can relate. Like I'm a parent of a only child at this point, right? I'm going to have another. I totally respect the fact that having one child is hard, but having three children is also hard. And you also have less time for all the things that you may want to do. And there can be more guilt because of that, right? The constantly feeling tugged and the never ending checklist that we're going to talk about. So sometimes you say you feel a little bit guilt. Do you think this guilt is internally created? Like, do you feel like you just feel the guilt or do you ever feel it being externally said to you from maybe a partner or anyone in your life that says comments or do you feel it's just coming from inside? I definitely think it's a little bit of both, you know, because I mean, you see all these things portrayed, you know, especially on social media. And for sometimes you got to sit there and remind yourself that it's not always reality. Obviously it's like a highlight reel, But still, you know, you can't help but feel like, oh, this mom is getting X, Y, and Z done. Why can't I be that mom? Or if it's like external factors saying, well, how come your house isn't tidied up? You know, I was able to do this when I had three kids, for example, and I didn't have any help. So you're just constantly second guessing yourself and questioning why am I not able to get these things done if these people are able to. But again, like you said, everyone's journey is different, but you can't help but wonder, is there something wrong with me? Am I not being a good mom because I can't do the things that everyone else can do? Yeah, I feel like, you know, you said already, you look at other people who may be in the similar situation in terms of number of children or similar setup. But as you said, it's actually never fully the same. And I say that by if that person has a partner or not, but the partner's role, the finances to hire help. And I'm talking like, yes, they could say that they don't have help. And that's the reality. I've been in moments where I have no help, but maybe they get a little bit of help that we don't in terms of helping to clean the house or, you know, someone to come by. Maybe they have a grandparent nearby that may not be fully involved with the child all the time, but there is something else. And even that we all just have different things that we prioritize as moms. So using the example, like in my house, I like having clean dishes, like a clean sink. To me, that's important. But that also means that I may not have freshly cooked meals as much as the next mom, right? There's certain things that we are going to have to prioritize as mothers with looking at our own resources and all the things that we have, right? It's going to look so different. And that's like my first tip is really when we're feeling like, there's this never ending checklist and it's going to feel like that even more when you have a lot of other responsibilities besides your children. Maybe you have to do stuff for the home or you work outside the home. It just feels like it never ends is really sitting down once a week and prioritizing what is it that I need to get done every day? And what is it that I need to get done for the week, right? Like creating these sort of prioritization and then realizing that, okay, if this doesn't get done, it's going to get pushed back until the next day, the next day, the next day. That works. I could do that. Okay. What is it that's important to me right now and our family? And what is it that I have to get done ASAP or what's something that can just be left? Or I'll get into other tips too. Like what is it that we can outsource, right? 
we can't outsource everything in our life. I wish we could. But if you have a budget saying to yourself, okay, here's my budget. I actually, instead of going to Target, maybe I'll get a order online and just do a pickup so I can save 20 minutes. Or maybe I'll get my groceries delivered this week. Just using examples of how we can outsource when we can. And that also is going to come into the prioritization. And I also respect the fact that sometimes it's going to be different seasons, right? Sometimes you're going to have resources. Like just say you have a grandparent that can help out and they're visiting. You're going to feel a little bit more of a weight lifted off your shoulders because you have help. And then maybe that grandparent leaves and you don't have help anymore. And you're in that season of having to do it all, but you have to look at everything as a season. And really when you're getting that change in the outsourcing opportunities or resources available, that's going to be when we have to reprioritize again and say, okay, so now my new situation is example. My partner is now working nights or my partner is now working more and I'm home. I used to have his help or her help and now I don't. So now we have to figure out what am I going to do to prioritize here and make sure that I'm not getting overwhelmed. And that's part of the art of almost organizing the life so that you can actually live it a little bit. Right. And that's hard because it's like using the example of having three children, the schedules are all different, right? I mean, the one-year-old is probably still on maybe two naps. Your four-year-old maybe is napping or not. And so if you're kind of utilizing nap time to get things done, maybe utilizing after they go to bed, I always say always prioritize and schedule where you think that you're accounting for things that are going to go unplanned, right? I don't want us to be so jam-packed with everything. And then that way you're leaving it to the last day. Like just say you have to go to Target to pick up a toy for a friend's birthday party on Saturday. And then Friday was your plan that you're going to go. And then something comes up and then now you're feeling stressed. You want to try to give yourself two to three day buffer of like, okay, here's what I need to get done. If it doesn't get done, it's not the end of the world. I use that example of having to get a gift for a friend's birthday party, because sometimes I've prioritized that and I can't get to the store and it's too late to order something on Amazon. And I flat out just tell the mom, Hey, love you. I'm coming to the birthday. We do not have the gift. We will get it. And that's that, right? Because it's all this expectation. It's all this like stress that we put on ourselves, but sometimes it's about communicating when we just can't get it done. And that's not failure. That's not anything to be guilty about. That's just life, right? Sometimes things don't go according to plan and we can communicate with our loved ones and other people if it's like falling in that way. Right. I agree. When you say that there's guilt, like, do you feel like you have trouble where you are trying to get things done and you feel like you should be doing things in the house and then you feel like you should be with your kids? Where do you feel the guilt is mainly in this situation? I think, again, it probably has something to do with a little bit of both because, for example, my daughter's school starts, it's like a half-day program and it starts in the middle of the day. So in the morning, I'm just juggling you know, whether it's mealtime, breakfast, and lunch before she goes to school, but it's also you know, trying to play with them. Like if you see my kitchen right now, it looks like a level four hurricane just came through, but I've just accepted the fact that I'm telling myself, okay, my kids are clothed, they're fed. I've, she's gone to school and it's the best that I could do for right now. But there are times when I feel so guilty because I just sit there and think, okay, I wasn't able to play with them because I'm trying to attend to all these things, whether it's my one-year-old needs a diaper change and then my four-year-old needs to go to the bathroom. And that happens almost constantly where it's like, yeah, I need to put them down. It's like, okay, let me go get a drink of water. And then I need a diaper change. Can you get me water? And then you realize four hours have gone by and I haven't even gone to the bathroom yet either. So 
it's just this constant juggling act where I think it's really difficult unless a mom is really in it. Even I think with maybe our own parents, they just, maybe they forgot and they don't recognize that it is so difficult, but you know, you get a lot of the, well, you had three kids, you knew what you were getting yourself into, but does that mean that it's justified that I can't go to the bathroom? Like that's my fault because I chose to have three kids. So it's just hard. It's really hard. Well, so much to unpack there because to go to that comment about, well, you asked for it. I hate that mentality because it goes into anything we do, right? I use example, like a police officer or fireman, let's use a fireman as an example, just because they chose to be a fireman doesn't mean that they can't comment on the how scared they are of having injury, like of going into a burning house and having smoke inhalation, even though they chose that role, we can have compassion and understanding that I see that. I see the struggles of your role, right? I see the struggles of being a police officer or being a fireman, being a physician, being whatever we are in career. Same thing with motherhood. Just because we chose to be mothers, it doesn't mean that we can't say that, hey, I really could use this help or I really could use this. And I think that's where the problem lies because when you feel like you don't have that support, when you feel like people are not understanding that I love this, I actually like being a mom, but I'm just tired sometimes. Like it's true. Some seasons, some days you're going to feel tired and it's not that you don't love or like the role, but it's a role. I know motherhood is not a job, but like any job that we do or any role that we take, there's going to be times where it's not rainbows and butterflies, right? It's this, it's the, I just want to freaking sit down and pee and like not have anyone yelling my name for five minutes. It's a lot, you know? And like you said, if you add more children to the picture, it feels like you can never get anything done. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains.
I understand that completely. I just feel like that's so hard. And I will say, I always say this to myself. I say this to all moms. You get your glass of water and you go to the bathroom if you need to go. I know this may feel harder because your kids are wanting you so bad. And just say you have that one-year-old, you have the four-year-old, three and a half. If in a situation where they all need you and you need to take care of your basic needs, which is eating, drinking, and using the toilet. I mean, that's not a lot to ask. I hear you. Sometimes it may mean saying to them, hey guys, I love you. I'll be right back. I'm going to go pee. It doesn't mean that you go in there for 20 minutes and like read a newspaper, but you're going to need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your children, right? And then getting the glass of water. That may mean that they're like screaming in your face, talking to you, and you're going to say, hey y'all, I just need to get a glass of water. And this happened actually to me this morning, by the way, of this recording is my son was asking, I don't know why he was asking for thousands of things like mom, cut my orange and do this. And I said, sweetie, I need to just get a glass of water and I need to sit down for a second with you and I'll help you out. Sometimes they're not going to be like, okay, sounds good. But the more you do that, the more that they see that you are just taking that moment in front of them. Again, you're not dilly dallying and spending hours, but you're just taking a moment to take care of yourself. Then we have now prioritized that, okay, I see you. I recognize your needs. I know how important you are to me, but I also need to fill my cup. And that means drinking a glass of water. And I'll say, oh, mommy, really thirsty. I have to drink water. I need to sit, I need to drink water and sit down. And then they realize that, okay, you're not going anywhere. This is what we're doing here. She will attend to me when she's done drinking her water or gosh, let her use the bathroom. And then you're going to move on, you know? So get the glass of water and pee if you need to. I know that sometimes it means putting your child in a safe space, for example, like in a playpen and going. If you need to, you can take your child with you. I have never gone to the bathroom with Ryan in my hand, ever. That usually meant that I would either leave him in like a safe sleep space, like when he was an infant, like on his back in a bassinet or crib, or I would take him in his play area and I'd go to the bathroom, but that's it. I'm going to the bathroom. I'm not like going to the bathroom and then checking the mail and doing that. Right. So it's okay to do that. Like you can go and use the pee and come back, but your child has to be in a safe environment. Obviously we're talking about all these different age groups, you know, so they're not just getting into unsafe things while you're using the bathroom. Right. For me, that means the TV and it's, that's unfortunate, but when you don't have the help that, you know, I tell myself, I'd rather have them sitting in front of the TV and get screen time versus them like jumping off the couch or for whatever, you know how it goes. You turn yes. your head for a second and then something happens. So yeah, if it's two minutes of Miss Rachel or whatever, then I'm okay with that. But sometimes the two minutes turns into 20 minutes because, you know, you're like, oh, they're sitting and they're contained. Let me go right. throw in a load of laundry and I could get that done. But it's just balance and it's hard yeah. to find the healthy balance. But you know, I think a lot of moms can relate and say that it's going to continuously be a work in progress because every day is different. I mean, kids are moody and yeah. some days are good days, some days are bad days, but it's the same as us because. Yes, I was just going to say we are moody, too. I'm not going to. I mean, yeah. some days we wake up on the wrong side of the bed, just like our kids. Right. I mean, right. totally OK to say that, that it's like today, like I felt like I woke up and I felt like everything was snowballing in a non ideal way. And I'm like, man, this is not the energy I want to start my day. And it started with a lot of neediness from my child. And then I'm feeling a little more short. Like I understand I'm a little more like annoyed and I'm like, I got to control. And it is, unfortunately it is on us to kind of control ourselves because our kids don't have the cognitive or emotional regulation that we do, but it's almost like stepping back and telling yourself when you wake up in the morning, Oh, I didn't really sleep well. 
and saying to yourself, it's okay that you're not chipper, mommy, happy mommy every day. It's okay to have not so great days and, and not feeling bad and having a little bit of more self-compassion when you talk to yourself on those more difficult days. Before we got on this recording, I told my husband, he was leaving for work. I said, I'm not having a great day today. And it wasn't that I needed him to do anything. I just was like, I don't feel like I just feel off. And I'm like, but you know what? It's a throwaway day, which means it's not, this is not going to be forever. This is just a, a moment. I will get through this. And just by saying that to ourselves more, we have a lot more self-compassion rather than getting into that cycle of, gosh, why am I such a bad mom? Like, how come I snapped at my son this morning? How come I didn't do this? How come I packed the easy snack? It's okay sometimes to do the easy stuff. Like you said, put on the screen time, give them the easier snack so that you can avoid the battles. You know that they like something for breakfast. You lean in on that. And it's looking at that big picture as a mom and saying, okay, am I doing this more times than not? Am I not giving my child diversity of activity, of food? And I know in the big picture, you probably are. They're loved, they're fed. You said it already. Then I don't want us to worry so much about that because it is a big picture. They rather have a mom who is content and getting through the day rather than a mom who's just upset all the time, feeling guilty all the time. I want you to find that peace by just having more self-compassion for yourself, especially on those really hard days. And if you're ever feeling like you can't find that self-compassion, I want you to think about me and you chatting right now. If I told you that, you know, I'm having a really hard day, how would you talk to me, your friend, right? How would you talk to someone who you love so dearly, like another mom, you would probably be supportive. You'd probably be very compassionate. You'd say, hey, look, I get it. Like, this is so tough. You know, how do you think you can change this? You wouldn't beat her up and say, well, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have had three kids. So show yourself the same level of compassion that you would your best friend, because we don't do that as women. We tend to always berate ourselves and say, well, you're not good enough. And it comes from the external noise. It comes from maybe our own insecurities that we're not good enough, but you are, you have three beautiful children in this world. I have a feeling they really love you. Even on the hard days when you feel like you maybe yelled more or caved in more, it doesn't matter, but you're going to look at that big picture and you're going to look at the love you're bringing into that children's life. And then you're also going to look at, well, how can I, like I said already, create a sustainability plan, look at prioritizing, look at all the things so that I can create more balance. And like you said, it's a very nuanced situation, household to household, mom to mom. Yes, that's true because- and, you know, now it's, you also have to remember that, like you said, it is a season. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you that there are more hard days than easier days at the moment because everyone's needs are similar yet so yeah. different because, you know, they are so close in age where I feel like I'm just constantly on autopilot. Like every day is kind of just, I hate to say this, but it's just getting through the day and making sure that the necessities are done you know, of course the kids are always going to be the priority, but it's just hard when, you know, you walk into the house and you tell yourself it's okay, they're safe. And that's what matters. And then you walk in and you see the mess that has transpired from three hours before that, and you haven't gotten to it, but I guess it's like you said too, just giving yourself some self-compassion and even just finding coping mechanisms, whether Mm -hmm. that's like, you know, maybe even if it's just like writing a daily task list and just, I don't know, scratching things off and like, that'll make me feel, and maybe even other moms just like you accomplish something for that day, because 
it's all about the little wins I feel yes. sometimes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like at the end of every day, like I know a lot of people don't like it, but I'm big on writing like on a physical paper or journaling, not on our cell phones yeah. because it's not right. the same. Okay. It's not like, but every night, especially it's so important to do these on days that were more difficult. And I did this last night because I was so drained and I was like feeling the energy vibe and I journal and there's so many different strategies for journaling. But one thing that really helps is like you said earlier, we tend to, when we look at that never ending checklist, the never ending checklist can feel like things that are tasky, right? I got to buy my kids clothes. I got a meal prep. I got to make sure that I signed up for this preschool tuition and all that. It's nothing exciting. It's all just checklist, right? I want you to, at the end of every day, put something on paper of the things that you did do that was incredible. Normally I get really frustrated in this situation. And today I actually was, you know, held my ground and was very cool. Or, you know, today we had this laughter filled moment with my children. So I want us to look at our day not as the checklist of all the mundane things that absolutely happen and is a reality in motherhood, but I want us to look back and reflect on the day of the things that made us fill our cup with joy, right? The the laughter, the, 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 the wins that we had, like you said, and write it down so that when you go through your week, you can refer back to it and be like, look at me, look at what we're doing as a family here, because we tend to get so bogged down in the, what am I not doing? What did I did not accomplish today? You know, I didn't get through anything I expected to, but we forget how much we actually did do. And it's a huge mindset shift of saying, look at all the things I did do. Like, this is pretty incredible. And that requires us to like, look at those things and allow those things to fill our brain with positivity versus thinking of all the things that we didn't get done. Yeah, because then it's just going to be a never ending battle within yourself, because at the end of the day, you always want to do more. I think it's very hard to get to a place where you feel like you're content with what's happened, you know, in the bigger picture. But it's like you said, writing down the small things that were accomplished is probably the best way to go about it, because if not, I think we would just continuously be in this vicious cycle of trying to accomplish it all when at the end of the day all that matters is everyone is loved and safe and things like that because motherhood is just a roller coaster of emotions and yeah it's like you said it's not just physical tasks that need to get done it's the mental aspect of it too where it's like do they have enough diapers that are going to last through the week you know it's just like the little things that just add up and that drive us a little bit crazier you know, so it's just a tough role. It is. And, you know, using that example of all that mental load, right? Like the amount of things that are on our mind at any given moment for our children and not for ourselves, that can make us feel even less like us, right? I mean, when you're doing so much for other people, which is what mothers and some fathers, but mothers, especially like we take on a lot of that load, right? Like the diapers, if you don't get the diapers, they're not going to have diapers. Exactly. You have to think about when I talked about outsourcing and asking for help, right? So just say people are listening, if you have a partner, I can't stress this enough. Like I've been in this situation where both me and my husband both work. I actually work more than my husband hours wise in a week, like outside the home in terms of a job. And I felt like the at-home responsibilities were falling largely on me. It's sitting in a non-resentful, non-judgmental way of, hey, here's how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like 
I don't have enough time to get this stuff done. I would love some help. It's conversations. Again, I, it's such a personal conversation because it depends on resources in the family, whether both parents are working outside the home, what the setup is. But if a mother is feeling overwhelmed, whether she is a, has a paid job outside the home, whether she is a stay at home mom, I don't care if she's feeling overwhelmed, there needs to be communication with someone, whether it's the partner or saying, Hey, I am feeling this way. I'm not asking you to baby me, boohoo me. I just want you to know that I'm feeling this and what can we do to make this better? And maybe it is just figuring out, like I said, looking at the resources and outsourcing and things like that. Because I do know that when you are doing so much for so many other people, that means less time for yourself. And the idea is that we want to create these little pockets for ourselves too. And it tends to be for a lot of moms when the children are sleeping. So nap times or after nap time, but sometimes even saying, just so you have a partner, hey, I really could use just two hours every day. Like just say we're a stay-at-home mom. I really could use two hours so that I can do things without a child yelling in my ear or just do things for myself, work out, whatever it is, one hour even. And pocketing that in so that we aren't feeling like we're on that hamster wheel and doing that never-ending checklist because it just goes from you wake up and your brain's on fire and going on overdrive to the moment you lay your head down and you're still going on overdrive because you literally have a checklist 24 hours, seven days a week that you can't even sleep well because it's like, you feel like you have so much to do literally. And then you're like, okay, your kid wakes up and you have three kids. You're like, one of them wakes up one night, the other one, like there doesn't seem to ever be as mothers, a moment that we can just rest our brain and say, okay, like I said, at the beginning, I feel at peace. I feel a little calm. And so sometimes that means that we have to, again, reclaim it in many ways and say, I'm going to take this moment. I'm going to sit on this couch. You guys are going to watch TV. If that's the example, you know, you use, I'm going to just take this moment and I'm going to savor it. I'm just going to sit with this feeling, take some deep breaths, drink my coffee, drink my water, or go use the restroom. Obviously I have to keep repeating the safety aspect, but do that, you know, take those moments. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey, are you loving the show? You're halfway through, so I hope that you are. This is a reminder that if you love the show, appreciate our guests, and want to continue to hear amazing conversations, to leave those reviews and ratings. Reviews and ratings are how a podcast continues to grow and reach more people. And the more people we reach, the bigger we can get and the more amazing free content we can provide for you. Yes, you may hear some ads like this one, but my goal is to be able to provide free and accessible health, development, and parenting content to you via the show. Leave a review and rating and update reviews after you hear a powerful episode. Thank you for tuning in. The other thing I wanted to say when you're talking about the chaotic mornings is really utilizing our children's developmental level to help us. So you have a four and a half year old? Yeah. 
So the four and a half year old could obviously use a stool to get up to get the water help you right like they can't obviously do the things that we do but utilizing the children's developmental ability to help you in small ways so just say your three and a half year old needed water or your one-year-old wanted water just give me an example utilizing that four and a half year old and saying hey we're gonna have breakfast do you think you can help mommy by getting me some water or do you think you can help mommy by cracking these eggs and it may seem like, oh my gosh, it's going to take much longer. But if you're multitasking and doing so much as it is, having any pair of hands that can help you get the water, especially your older child, and this is going to be something useful as you grow with these children, is that when that older child becomes six, seven, you're not placing a burden on them by making them do all these things. You're doing it with them. They're helping you so that you can help the family. And incorporating these children in these responsibilities helps a lot from a chore standpoint because developmentally, they like it. They like to feel involved, right? And saying, hey, oh, you want to mix this up for me? Like just say you make oatmeal. Do you want to mix this up? Oh, good. And then you will have to feed it obviously to the one-year-old, which is, or help, help the one-year-old eat it. But that's kind of how we can utilize our own children as well in a positive way, right? In a developmentally appropriate way where we're with them, we're guiding them and they're helping the family. And that's what a lot of my families who have like six, seven kids. And in my head, I'm like, wow, like, how do you do it? Like, this is incredible. But I know that they utilize in a good way, the older children and not like a they have to do it situation. Like you're responsible for your younger sibling. No, it should never be like that. But as a, Hey, this is a family unit. We're going to help each other out. Like I help you all. We're going to help each other. And it's more of a positive thing that way. Yeah. And I think it's a win-win because not only is some of that burden falling off of the mom, but it's something that we could maybe even do together. If it is making breakfast, for example, instead of, you know, where if I'm feeling guilty, like I'm not spending enough time with them, at least if I'm making breakfast and instead of me just trying to rush through it because I just want to get it done so I can move on to the next task, I can just have the two older ones make it with me and we can just like make it a fun experience versus something that's like, okay, I need to do it and just get the breakfast on the table. And it's like you said too, as moms, we have to look out for ourselves because I think naturally when moms have children, and I don't think it comes from a malicious place. I just think people tend to forget about the moms, right? It's all about the children and the husbands for the most part. And it's not in every situation. If they're the ones that are the sole provider of the family are the ones that are going and, you know, doing their thing. And then it's all about, okay, the kids, the kids, the kids. I think it's sometimes something as little as dinners getting served, you know, the moms usually are the ones to eat last. Right. And sometimes I even try to remind myself, maybe I should be the first one to eat because you know how mealtimes go with kids, you know, whether you have one or three, it's never, you know, a stress-free situation where they're going to sit down and eat their meal, maybe some days, but I know for me, at least that never happens. It's just a struggle. And, you know, there's usually some type of resistance. So I think something, and then, you know, by the time they're done eating, you've become so overwhelmed and you've lost your appetite. You don't even want to eat anymore. So I think something as silly as eating before them, I don't know. It's just finding little things to, I guess, put yourself first because, like you said if you're happy then the kids feed off of that energy but we have to be the ones looking out for ourselves because people tend to forget about us I think that's what I've gathered so far I don't know not not in a mean way but I just think like you know you get phone calls oh I didn't call to talk to you I want to talk you know like I want to see the kids and you're just like oh but I'm a person too yeah yeah even with one child, it feels like, but when you add more children to the picture, we lose more of ourselves in terms of the 
your ability to be a, to have autonomy and do what you want to do because you're being spread, of course. And I know it seems hard and a better way having the support and resources would be the better answer than us having to fish out time and do that. But when we're in this situation, like I said, I we when we're, when we're faced with the reality, our two choices are either change the reality or figure out how to work with the reality we're in, right. right? Like, I feel like oftentimes we can sit there and lament a situation over and over. That's not to say that maybe that situation needs to change 100%. I'm not denying that. But until it changes, we got to work towards maybe changing it. But until it changes, then our option is we have to live with it, right? We got to figure out how am I going to, like you said, find pockets, find ways to reclaim my peace. And eating is one of those examples, I agree. Like, it should get it doesn't always, it should get easier as the child gets older. Like when you have an infant, it's really hard because, you know, you have to help them with feeding a little more. There's a lot more mess. Da, da, da. But as we get older, looking at that light at the end of the tunnel, is that really sitting down as a family and saying, okay, it's dinner time. And if that child's running away from the dining table, saying verbally and saying, okay, well, we're eating dinner. I'm going to finish eating my dinner. Remember, it's here if you want it. You can come back to the dining table without, you know, playing power struggles, getting them back and doing that and making right. it, again, a very calm, matter of fact situation that it's mealtime. But I recognize that when a child is younger, it's, you know, like a infant or toddler baby, like under 18 months, you have one of those. It can be harder because, yes, I mean, you're having to help and guide them. They're not proficient with the spoon yet. Like there's a lot more having to be there. But yes, then it becomes after I finish or before I finish with that younger child, then I will take care and eat for myself. And I respect the fact that it's not always going to be pristine eating conditions where it's quiet. No one's hanging off your leg. Like it's almost like we have to in a way, learn that that's a reality. And then when you do get anyone in the house to help, like just say partner or someone else is there asking like, Hey, I could really use this meal. Like I want to just eat on my own right now. Can you handle this for today? And then I'll take it tomorrow. Like again, that communication aspect of, Hey, where do I need to do to balance a little more so I can get those moments and pockets of peace. Like we talk about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In communication again, like you said, it just ultimately, I think is always going to fall back on just communication and it's going to look different for everybody because everyone's situation is so different, but nothing will change unless we openly communicate and are transparent with what our needs are and what we're feeling day in and day out. Because sometimes I get into this habit of like wanting, you know, not that it's terrible resentment, but you look at your partner, for example, and you just feel this, like sometimes we expect people to just know, right. And right, to do right. and but they can't read our minds. So yes. I think, yeah. <laughs> I say this all the time. They can't. And it's really so important. And again, there is an art of it of like expressing it in a way that's not filled with, well, you don't do this, right? I don't, that's right. not going to go anywhere. Like imagine yeah. having any conversation, but I get it. I get the feeling of frustration, but it's really saying I statements, right? Like I feel, or I could use, or I'm feeling this way. I believe this way versus you, 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 you. And I can't guarantee how that's going to go, right? Like you said, it's every situation is different, but the more we do that and say, Hey, look, I'm feeling this, like, could we possibly look at our, again, our resources to see what we can outsource, who I can ask for help just so that I am not feeling that bogged down. I hope that there is more communication that way, like you said, to hopefully help ourselves and help each other so that we're better parents in terms of being more at peace in our minds and not feeling that never ending checklist is over consuming us. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, is just accepting that it is a season that will yeah. obviously change. And I mean, the seasons change so quickly too. I mean, it's so different. And I mean, every 
few months you could like developmentally the kids are just constantly changing and things are different and there's just constant involvement where it's just I guess reminding yourself at the end of the day that it is only temporary and we are doing our best and reminding ourselves that we should give ourselves grace because no one's doing it perfectly even if people tell you that they're not struggling I highly doubt that yes (laughs) everyone goes through something Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I will say that some people, some people have gotten really good at handling struggle and this doesn't mean that they're not struggling. So we have to respect the fact that every human being, every person on this planet experiences difficulty and hardships. The difference could be that someone faces it in a different way, right? Like they look at a situation and they are struggling, but they learn how am I going to cope with this? What am I going to do? What are the resources I'm going to change? Da, 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 da. Yes, the human experience, we have to respect the fact that everyone struggles. I actually find that to be a more reassuring concept. It's not like a, oh, well, thank God everyone struggles. It's a, I find peace knowing that I'm not alone in this motherhood journey, that I'm not alone in the experiences that I'm feeling, like what you're going through, feeling like this pulled in different directions, never ending checklist. Going back to the beginning, even though no two situations are exactly the same, the fact that you know that women out there are struggling with motherhood in general, it can feel like you're not alone and that I'm going to do this. Like that woman can do it. I'm going to do it. And it doesn't mean that we're going to accomplish this amazing, like, okay, I'm going to make these fancy meals or do this. No, I'm talking, when I say do it, I'm talking about getting through it, right? Doing it and finding the peace and finding all this stuff. We know we can do it. It's just, um, again, having those conversations with yourself more and more, especially after those hard days, because sometimes no one's going to tell you, like you said earlier, beautifully, that you have to tell yourself that, yeah, I'm like a badass mom and I'm doing amazing things for myself and my kids. And no day is going to be always easy breezy, especially when you have young children, but I'm doing it. And I did amazing things today and I love myself and I love my children. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, you know, sometimes I just have to just sit there and take a moment and just realize that, like you just said, everyone's got their struggles. Nobody's struggles need to be justified. And, you know, just because somebody's, you know, there's always going to be somebody struggling more than you are and in a completely different way. And it's just, but remembering though, that it's, those hardships so that I think at the end of the day are what make everyone's situation so unique, obviously. And just remembering that, you know, it ties into the mom guilt too, is sometimes when you feel like you're so overwhelmed and being tied in all these different directions, you sometimes then you feel guilty because you don't want to come off as feel as sounding ungrateful because there are, you know, maybe there's the next mom that would do anything to be in that specific yeah. situation, for example. But I think it's just, I guess, like you said, just coming to that realization that you're doing the best that you can, no matter what, because I guess it's like the tying back to the same common message, right? That like, we're all in this together. And even though it's sometimes it feels like we're not, but we are, and just realizing that it does get better. And maybe, you know, it, it becomes different, I guess. I always say the second you think you have it, you know, down pack, the kids throw you another curveball. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> parenting is going to always be a struggle, I feel. And that's what I'm learning. You know, yeah. it's never, I think even when they're like 30 years old and married, we're just going to still be struggling in a different way. Right. But it'll probably be hopefully a lot more manageable way. I would hope. But. Yeah. Well, I love this. It's not like things always get better. It's just that we get better at handling life. 
and situations, yeah. right? So That's like you right. said perfectly that in parenting, I do agree that there's seasons that are more difficult. Like I do believe that under five, it's a lot because they need a lot more things, right? Like the infant, like I said, it is more hands-on, but there are struggles in a school-age kid or a teenage kid, but it's our approach, right? It's how we are approaching these situations and saying, okay, here is the reality I'm in right now. And like I said, this is the reality. I have two options. I either change my reality or change my circumstances and work to that, or I change how I'm approaching this reality right now. And that is that mindset that we talk about. And oftentimes, like you said earlier about the gratitude piece, I agree with what you're saying, but it also is okay to admit with the people that you love that are closest to you, right? You don't need to go telling all these random people your issues, but say, I had a really hard day today. But I know that this is not forever. That's how I practice gratitude because I like to admit that things are hard. It is hard sometimes. It's very hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. Like it is very hard doing what we do as mothers. But I also, when I'm focusing on that gratitude, I tell myself, it's really hard right now. And like you said perfectly, that we talked about in this episode, it's not forever. This is a point in the life of my entire livelihood. This is just going to look like a blip in the past right? This is just a moment in time. I am stronger than the circumstances I'm in. I can get through it. And it makes me feel more gratitude for my resiliency. It makes me feel more gratitude for my role, but it doesn't diminish the difficulty, right? I think sometimes we think, oh, well, if I'm complaining all the time, then I'm not grateful. And on the flip side, if I'm practicing so much grateful, people won't realize that it is hard and that maybe I am grateful, but you can be both. You can have the gratitude. You can feel that life is hard, but I like leaning in on gratitude, not because it's a toxic positivity thing, but it's what helps us get through the hard days, right? Like saying it is hard. Do not ever deny the hard in your life, but also saying at the end that it is hard, but I am capable. I am loved. I love myself. Like again, all that positive self-talk so that we can grow through the difficulty and then come out the other end and be like, you know, five years down the line, I'm sure if I talk to you, you're going to be like, Dr. Mona, I remember when I came on and I was struggling. Now I feel like things are just on autopilot a little bit. I feel like I have more time to myself. Sometimes you'll probably feel like you have too much time to yourself. And then I hope you can get to that spot of realization that yes, yeah, seasons will change and your mindset is the most important thing in all of this. Oh, for sure. And then just, I also think that focusing on our energies on the things that we can control, I think also yeah. as moms, fall into the habit of, you know, spiraling down these rabbit holes of things that we can't control, you know, but, and it's like, you just said so nicely too. at the end of the day, the kids are going to remember the positive things. They're not going to remember that I had three laundry baskets full Correct. of clothes for the last three weeks. They're going to remember Sunday morning breakfast, for example, yeah. you know, those, just the little things that made their childhood special and unique and not the other things that we think are making their childhood bad, for example, you know, so it's just, again, coming I love peace it. within ourselves. Oh, motherhood, right? I love it so much. Nicole, thank you so much. I hope this was helpful just to chat about this, know that you're not alone, hopefully get some strategies and some things that can really benefit. But um, yes, I loved chatting with you about all this today. Yeah, thank you. Me too. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you. I love having conversations like this on the show. Conversations with moms from the Pete's Doctor community talking about real life things that we go through, the ups and downs. It's so important. As much as I love sharing things about tantrums, picky eating, body training, infant sleep, toddler sleep, and development and health and all of the things, child health development and parenting, I feel like these heart to hearts are so important to remember. As you wrap up this episode, make sure that you 
Focus on how to prioritize the things that are important and letting go of the things that can wait. Make sure you ask for help. Make sure you lean on your support squad, whether that is your partner, people that you can outsource things to. Look at your family's resources, which includes time and money to figure out how you can free up more space in your life. And also, if you have older children, utilize your children in their developmental capacity. Make chores around the house a family affair. This is also important for their development. We're not putting the responsibility of child rearing on another child, but we're incorporating them in ways that they can help you so that you can free up more time. And the most important thing, which I mentioned to Nicole, please, please practice more self-compassion. We beat ourselves up so much as parents, especially as moms, but you're doing a lot more than you think. Remember, if you loved this episode, make sure you leave a review and a rating, share it on Instagram and tag me at PedsDocTalk so I can reshare it. I can see the love and I can't wait to have more conversations with parents and professionals on this show. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking